Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. The placing of this parable of the friend at midnight is important. Jesus is still responding to a request from one of the disciples in the first verse of this chapter, Lord, teach us to pray. And then verses 2 through 4 record the most famous response ever given to that question. In those verses, Jesus outlines the ingredients that prayer should include. And I doubt that he envisioned that we would memorize those words and recite them in worship. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that the Lord's Prayer is more of a checklist, so we'll know what kinds of things to include in our praying. The danger with what we've done with it is that it can become automatic. Like tying our shoes or riding a bicycle. It can become a habit that we do without thinking, like brushing our teeth or putting on our seatbelt. It's like the ritual of a kiss and an I love you on our way out the door in the morning. It's an empty ritual when our minds are elsewhere, but a meaningful expression when it's heartfelt. And believe me, my husband knows the difference. And so does God. And that's why Jesus isn't finished teaching once he gives them the Lord's Prayer. He's not done answering their questions regarding prayer because instruction alone won't build a prayer life. A checklist doesn't cut it. And so having dealt with the content, Jesus moves on to the practice of prayer. And he gives that parable. Suppose one of you has a friend. And at the end of that parable, the friend says, I have nothing to set before him. I have nothing. Those are important words. The guest was unexpected because in those days, people baked just enough bread for the day so the host simply couldn't handle the demands of an unforeseen guest. Jesus is saying, sooner or later, life will be like that for you and for me. Sooner or later, life simply demands more than you have. Sooner or later, you know the pressure of scraping for resources just to cope. I have nothing. Sickness comes, or bereavement, or financial setbacks. Or one of the kids gets in trouble at school. I have nothing. There are the needs of the soul, those spiritual challenges that seem to ask more of us than we have to give. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How many of us genuinely put the will of God being done through our lives every day? as high on our agenda as the angels do around the throne of heaven? How 
many of us have felt the weight of being called by God to extend forgiveness to our worst enemy? When our hearts are enraged and bitter, even if we wanted to, we have to admit, I have nothing. And those are just two of the demands given to Jesus' disciples in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, forgive us as we forgive. Who of us would be so foolish as to walk out of the sanctuary or get up from prayer and our Bible study thinking that we had within us the strength to follow God's commands? Without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the cupboards of our souls are bare. We have nothing. That's the starting point of prayer, my brothers and sisters. When we can recognize our lack, then we're ready to ask for daily bread. In this parable, Jesus also addresses the difficulties in prayer. Some people have trouble because they don't really know that God loves them and God wants to bless them. And so Jesus uses this parable to awaken the greatness and readiness of God in us. In contrast to that reluctant friend. The friend was sound asleep, but our scripture reminds us in Psalm 21 that God never slumbers. The friend was reluctant to get up, not so with God. Romans 8 says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us everything else? The friend has limited resources of his own. Our heavenly father is never bound by limitations of power and grace. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. See, prayer's not about rousing a reluctant God from sleep. He's not the irritated neighbor who comes begrudgingly to the door saying, What do you want now, Neva? <laughs> He's not that grumpy grouch of a neighbor who's reluctant to get out of bed. Say, Oh, it's you again. That's a distorted picture. Are you the frantic friend on the outside begging and pleading and groveling with your list of things and, and that you need to get out of your particular dilemma? Or are you the beloved child of a father who would do anything for his kids? Think about your own kids or your grandkids or kids who are in your care, or kids that you come in contact with. They don't have to beat down your door to get your attention. All they have to do is whisper. Because we have one ear tuned in to hear their voice if they should cry out in the middle of the night. It's what we do. God is that near to us. And we are that dear to God. Which brings us to the next point. Jesus promises success to those who pray. So I say to you, ask and you shall receive. Knock 
Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. So how many of you who have prayed for something didn't get it? Come on, be honest. How many of you have prayed for something and didn't get it? So what are we supposed to do with Jesus' words here? He doesn't say some people will receive when they ask. He says everyone. Now I think it's a mistake to interpret asking and seeking and knocking as though they were just different forms of repeating the same thought. If that were the case, Jesus would simply be saying to you, well, if you didn't get your answer the first time, just ask and ask some more. Because if that's true, then our asking would be like, Lord, please grant my request. And seeking becomes, please, oh, please, God, grant my request. And knocking becomes, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, God, grant my request. You get the idea. I don't know about you, but nothing annoyed me more as a parent when my daughters were little, when they got into that mode, mommy, please, 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 can't we have ice cream for dinner? Well, no, please, please, please. Saying more pleases isn't gonna give me the chance to say yes to you, it's just gonna annoy me more. Why would Jesus encourage that in prayer? Remember that Jesus had a lot to say about people who just kept talking when they prayed thinking they would be heard if they just piled up more words over and over again. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 says, And when you're praying, don't use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they'll be heard for their many words. This passage does teach persistence, absolutely. And it does teach boldness, which is why he talks about the friend. The one friend was sound asleep. In those days, a home was basically a hut with two rooms, most homes. During the day, people would leave their doors open and the neighbors would come and go into their, what would be considered a first century equivalent of a living room. It was part of being hospitable. But at night, the whole family would sleep on mats right next to each other in the bedroom. And so after that door was closed for the evening, it would take an extreme act of boldness to knock on the door. Well, Jesus encouraged that kind of boldness with the telling of that story. Asking is simply bringing your request to God. And the reason that Jesus has to tell us that is that sometimes we're reluctant or prideful to ask. Oh, well, Jesus already knows what I need, so I'm not gonna ask. It takes humility to ask somebody for something, doesn't it? Neva, I really need something from you, could you? Sometimes asking for help is the last thing we wanna do. We think we're being humble because we constantly pray for the needs of others, yet we don't ask God to meet our own needs because we haven't gotten to the point of admitting that our cupboards are bare. We haven't gotten to the point of admitting that we have nothing. Jesus tells us, ask. 
And seeking is different. Seeking means relentlessly pursuing God's will above my own desires. Jesus had just got done teaching the disciples to pray for the accomplishment of God's will on earth in their own lives and circumstances just as it was being perfectly fulfilled in heaven. Prayer is the ultimate form of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In seeking, I'm not just looking at the surface of things. I'm not just rushing to conclusions. I'm listening. I'm open. I want his will more than my own way. I desire his purpose to be accomplished in my life more than I desire my own comfort or happiness. So once I ask and once I have sought, then I'm ready to knock. And to knock is to stand at the threshold of cooperating with God's will. As I told the children, there are all sorts of people who pray about things but they're not willing to do something about them. They're not willing to act. We can pray about world hunger, but we don't want to give God any of our time, any of our resources. We're maxed out in terms of what we feel God could reasonably expect of us. We're not willing to give up anything to make it happen. And so we just pray for an end to hunger. Or we pray for peace. And then we sustain this pattern of manipulation and yelling at our families in order to get what we want. Or we live in this constant state of chaos. And we don't make the necessary changes to live as peaceful people. And we don't set about the necessary boundaries in order to bring about peace. Or we ask God to help us to live a pure life. But we don't really want God to take the pruning shears to something that we hold dear. Jesus says prayer is like knocking on a door. Jeff and I, when we lived on the east side, we would have kids come into the neighborhood at night and they would wait till dark and they would bang on the door and then they would take off and hide. Somehow they thought this was all very clever, very funny. But you know what? Lots of people pray like that. They go up to the door of God and they knock and then they run and hide because they never really mean business. And then they complain that God doesn't care or that prayer is too hard or that God doesn't hear them or that he doesn't answer their prayer. But here's the thing. Prayer, well, it's more than just words. It's the direction of our life that God is asking us to take. God takes our prayers way more seriously than we do. Ask, seek, and knock is a process of discernment. And when fully and faithfully done, no one, no one leaves the throne room empty-handed. In the name of Jesus. Will you stand with me as we profess our faith in the words of the apostles?